Hey, what's going on, guys? Happy weekend. I told y'all I'd have two for you this week, and I just recorded another absolute banger, um, in my opinion. I'm excited. <laughs> when I mean that, I just, I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Uh, this is a great podcast with an individual that has a one-year-old, intact, female German Shepherd, super drivey, working dog. Um, so she's dealing with all the things that you would deal with with a intact one-year-old, as well as a working line shepherd. So she's got like, you know, three stacks against her, uh, not necessarily in a bad way, but it can be very overwhelming. Um, so how do we get these quirks out? This dog is, when we go outside, very stimulated, very vocal, very spinny, and also, you guessed it, reactive on the leash as well. So we're going to go over the protocols of how to make a dog that has lots of stimulation naturally, genetically, and to fine-tune some of these things out and where to start from. Um, so I'm excited for you guys to hear this podcast. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. If you are listening to this podcast and you want me to answer your specific questions, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and I'll answer it at the end of every podcast. If you're listening to this on Spotify, it would be amazing and wonderful and so appreciative. I do this absolutely for free for you guys to leave us a review and let's get into the podcast. I, it's honestly, she's not bad. And I know everybody says that about their dogs. She's a one-year-old German shepherd. She is still a puppy um but she's having behaviors not really bad but she's naughty and i when i try to correct her she's i saw in a video you called the dog a brat Mm -hmm. and that's her she's a brat and i don't know how to correct her when she's bratty because she argues with me almost and it sounds stupid but that's how it feels because she barks back at me when i correct her eventually she stops but I don't think I should have to continuously correct her in one sitting, if that makes sense. So I think my corrections are wrong because I can't, it, it's like a, and so, all right, I just sent it. So this is, the videos are her, I think she's extra or overstimulated, but it's literally me trying to get her out the door to exercise her. She whines and whines and whines. She's a high drive puppy, high drive. Um, she whines and she barks at me, uh, to get out the door so she can exercise. But what's hard, I have to do obedience. I have to get this energy out. So she pays attention to me, but to get her outside to exercise, to even get to that point, I have to work with her. So it's like a double-edged sword, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. At least that's how it feels to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you'll tell me everything I'm doing wrong. And I really need that feedback because I want her to be a good dog. Yeah. Yeah, let me, uh, did you sent it just now? Yes. Okay. So right now, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just wait for it to come through. Right now, uh, okay, I got it here. So she's a one-year-old German Shepherd, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Your biggest problem is uh, this kind of uh, recycled thing where you, I mean, you want her to be be calm but in order to for her to get calm you have to bring her outside in order for her to go outside you have to make her calm yes yes okay let me just check out these videos i'll i'll go through them and then i'll tell you what i think about what's going on i'll just start it kind of downloaded let's see yeah one two three four one is a one second one it's her barking at me outside when she wants me to throw it too so I sometimes we do fetch it. Sometimes I just did it fetch it this morning or like the chuck it mm-hmm. only because I didn't 
normally I take her for a walk or something um, only because we had the video and I just dropped off my kids at daycare so I wanted something quick to kind of get excess energy out so she can chill out while we talked yeah I have other dogs at home too I have three other dogs so in the first video I'm watching she's just playing with this other dog right Oh, yeah, so she, okay, so I know I sent that one because she's also fear reactive of dogs, but in that video, she, that's my other German Shepherd, and they get along beautifully. Mm -hmm. She's great with the dogs so that I have at home. The one that we're talking about is uh, the, the dark black one. black one? Okay. Yeah. So I'm just watching you uh, bring her outside here. So you're, un uh, she's in a sit, you have her on the leash, she's about to mm -hmm. go outside, and she's whining vocalizing a little bit there she's excited yes. to go out and then and that's like everything yeah, anytime she's a boy the third one is uh same thing she's just whining uh, except for she did like a little a little bark there because she was excited right mm -hmm. and the last one is her just barking at you i would assume yes okay so uh one year old is she intact Yes, they wanted me okay. to wait because she just turned one in January. So okay. they said wait so, at least until 15 months. Okay. One-year-old German Shepherd intact. And what are your – so what would what would you say your biggest problems are? What are your biggest concerns? So her uh, being bratty, I guess. When I try to correct her, that barking that you heard at the end is literally what I fight sometimes. When I'm trying to get her, um, like, healing or – like, so – when she, and it's my fault, when she gets frustrated, she'll bark at me. Um, because I'm not telling her exactly, I, this is what I can, I think. I'm not explaining it right to her, what I'm wanting. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to, um, but I also have the problem of I'm a very high anxiety person, so I have to keep reminding myself, calm down so I don't make my dog worse. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I'm having a big issue with is she's, scared of other dogs and I only know that because when we took her to get evaluated because I wanted to make sure she wasn't aggressive because she barks heavily at other dogs with that she doesn't know um and one time she backed up from them while barking so she didn't lunge or do anything like that mm -hmm. but we took her to a dog trainer because I was going to do group sessions because when she's by herself she usually she's on it quick mm -hmm. um but the moment she sees a dog I lose her so I was like, okay, maybe if I do group sessions, that'll help because she's going to have to pay attention to me with these distractions. Um, and so, and with these, I guess, fearful distractions. So we, when he went to evaluate her, he wanted to make sure she wasn't aggressive. So what he did is he had the most neutral dog he had go into an area with me, with her. We took off the leash. I grabbed, he told me to grab her collar. He brought the other dog in. It was like a middle-aged lab that was just happy. Just mm -hmm. a happy dog. Um, I let her collar go, and I ignored her. So I, wa I actually went to the other dog and was petting him. She stopped barking, and she actually came up and, like, kind of cowardly went up and sniffed him, and her tail was wagging. So as long as I didn't play into anything with her, she did fine. The problem also was when I left, she kind of sat in the corner and licked her lips. She was scared. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know how to make her because of her fear with dogs, mm -hmm. she's reactive when we walk. Um, and then I can't get her to stop barking at the other dogs, too. So I don't know how to get her to stop focus on me, I guess, when it comes to toys or fear. Okay. So let's – okay. So let's isolate the 
your biggest concern? So the reactivity and the vocalization sounds like it's the biggest concern of yours or the biggest uh, thing you want to work on. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and when is the reactivity, like when you're seeing her react, when you're seeing her do the things you don't want to do, when is it the worst and when is it like the hardest for you? When she's around other dogs. Okay. And so that would mean what? Because you live with other dogs. So does that mean she's like this all the time or does that mean when no. she's outside? Okay, that's, a, that's a good question. No, it's actually when we're on a walk or when I'm doing obedience with her with strange dogs. So at home gets along with our dogs beautifully inside outside doesn't matter because sometimes i'll walk her by herself sometimes i'll walk her with all my dogs she can be when i'm home they're all loose together um mm -hmm. and there's no issues ever she actually plays with our german shepherd that one that you saw all day they're best buddies um and so like zero problems with our dogs it's any dog she doesn't know okay. that she barks at got it so i think she sees them all as a threat Okay. So when she, when she does react, what do you do? How do you handle the situation? You go outside, she's on the leash, she sees a dog, she reacts. What do you do? So I have a prong collar on her. And so usually I'll pull up, tell her no, and I'll either try to walk through it or if there's the people are standing there or like hard to get away from, I'll turn her around and go out the other way. So I try to correct her and either power through it or if I can't get away from that dog and because it's just going to be an ongoing issue, I will redirect the walk um, to stop the behavior. Okay. So you just, what do you, when you say redirect, you just go the other way? Yeah. So I live in a cul-de-sac. So that's usually where we walk. And so if I will turn down a different road okay. to kind of get away from them. Okay, so you just you basically just like avoid the situation when it happens. You just kind of go the other way, right? Yes. Okay. And you said that correcting her during that situation is not helpful. No, it's not. Uh, she'll okay. keep barking. So she, um, she's very dramatic, and I'm sure it's pretty known with German Shepherds. At least that's what I was told with the vet. So when I correct her, she always yells. She acts like I'm hurting her, and I don't. I have a home springer on her. It's just a quick thing. And then she goes, ah, yeah, sometimes she'll bark right after it. And then I keep walking. Mm -hmm. And so I, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Okay. Because I don't want her to be the stereotypical German Shepherd that's aggressive or fear turns aggressive or anything. She's amazing with people. Very happy-go-lucky because I try to nurture that into her because I don't want her to ever turn people okay. aggressive or anything like that. Okay. Um, so... Yeah. Okay. So when, wh what is your obedience like with her? How, how is, how have your, what, what type of obedience have you done with her? So we've done basic level because I feel like we always get stuck with distractions. Um, so when we do it, like if, when I'm off work and I'm walking her, I can get her to sit. I can get her to stay like 20 feet away from her. She watches me. I've been trying to do it with me doing dumb things around her because I don't want her to think if I run one side or the other or hop, you know, I want her to still stay in that position. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've been doing stuff like that. She sits really well. When she thinks that she's not doing it right, she'll lay down or something because she's like, what are you asking? What are you asking? Because when I make her 
stay in a sit and I don't automatically address it or address it within like 10 seconds. She'll lay down because she thinks she's not doing it right, I think. Okay. She's not sure what to do. Yeah. Um, the other thing, what was I thinking? Uh, at nighttime, we also have to make her lay on place because she doesn't stop trying to bring us toys. Okay. So she just doesn't have an off switch. Okay. So and we try – go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, so your obedience, uh, it yeah. you feel like it's not there. It doesn't – it's really not existent or you feel like it's just very it's minimal or – Minimal. Let's I, I It's minimal because she does know it. So when we're walking, if I make her – Heal. Sometimes I have to remind her to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not remind her, like give her a pop. Mm-hmm. Nope, you need to be that way. We're not pulling. Or I will do a quick turn. And so the moment this dog knows, because I've done this so many times, she feels me slow down or I'm going to turn. Yeah. She's like, right with it. She's like, nope, I'm not going to get popped or get left at all. So mm-hmm. she's she pays attention that much. She doesn't really check in with me as much um, unless she knows I'm going to do, I'm either going to stop or turn. Okay. Um, so that overall her heel is slow, but it's getting better. She knows that uh, I've been teaching her to stop when I, or to sit when I stop and she's getting better at that. Honestly, um, the hard thing also, she's not food motivated, really. She's totally motivated, but okay. she goes psycho when she sees toys. So, okay. <laughs> I would, I would say. Um, you know, the, is she, what kind of German Shepherd is she? is she? Like a working German Shepherd? Yeah, she's working line. Okay, so yeah, all that makes sense. So, um, my suggestion is to um, figure out a way where you can, because that reactivity that you're seeing outside is probably just stimulation. She's just boiling over. She's trying to outlet things. So when you have a dog, and it doesn't matter. Well, I shouldn't say that. It does matter what type of dog and their genetics and where they came from. But every dog has a certain ceiling, a certain threshold of what they need per day, uh, both mentally and physically. And sometimes the worst case scenario when you don't physically or mentally work your dog is your dog's just a little bit more hyper in the house. And then also other times, sometimes like with your dog, she's, she, you got, you got all the cards that you need to have a very, very uh, energetic, stimulated uh, Olympic athlete on the leash. And yes. and so if you uh, are working with her, she has this, th- this threshold that she'll need per day in order to outlet all the things in her head. So it's kind of like a pressure cooker. Every day that you, when you wake up, your dog has this this energy up top, right? So this mental energy is going to overpower the physical, the physical energy. So some dogs will have like a Rhodesian Ridgeback or I don't know, just a really athletic dog will likely have more physical desires. It's like, I need to run. I need to do more physical things. And then you'll have dogs that are more mentally heavy where they're like, I need to think basically. And every dog has both. Some dogs are just, from what I've seen, different breeds have more than the other. And so with her, she she has both, obviously, but she's going to be more mentally heavy on what she needs per day. 
And if she okay. doesn't get it, it really doesn't matter what type of training you have done. It, uh, it, it, it really is about like getting that out. And so she needs a lot of mental stimulation in order to think clearly. And so each day, again, she wakes up with this, you know, this kind of this pressure cooker, you know, this instant pot of steam up above in her head. And she's like, I got to go and release this somehow. And if you don't release it on your terms or structurally, meaning if you don't release it with something like kids, if they are wound up and we don't say, hey, go run around in the field and play kickball, then there's a good chance they're going to sit in the car and cry and whine and kick and scream and throw things. And it's just all, it's all going to outlet in different areas. So that's what could be happening with you. And it's probably a, a mixture of things with you is you're, she's got all this steam up in her head and she's not really outletting these things properly. Okay. So, so we, yeah. Sorry. Nope. Go ahead. Uh, we, we tried. So I, I totally thought that somebody told me, Hey, they burn more energy, so to speak, doing mental stimulation than physical. So it's like, okay. So I started trying to do find it with her. So first I'd start with her toy and I would hide it in, in a room, in a room that wasn't super busy. So she was able to find it quick, pr- fairly well. But if I hide it too well, she'd bark because she'd get mad or frustrated, you know, because she, she wanted it. She really likes this game, mm-hmm. really likes it. Um, and I, I don't know if that's kind of a mental stimulation too, like finding it where she has to use her nose and search. Um, cause we, I tried to lean towards detection a little bit too, uh, like working different things like that to try to get her and uh, trying, I guess a lot, <laughs> a lot of things to try to help this dog. Um, cause I don't want to be her downfall by being in it uneducated and not hitting the different things she wanted or she needs. So I got like, uh, essential oils. And so when she find it, I'd like make a huge deal of it. I try to give her treats. Sometimes she'll take them. Sometimes she won't. Cause I, I was trying to wear her brain out too. And they said using her nose will help wear her brain out too. Um, and so do you mean like mental stimulation like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's part of it, but just any mental stimulation really that that's a, that's a piece for sure. But yeah, so every dog will need that. And, you know, again, like you have a one-year-old intact working line shepherd that those three things. So every, every level of those things are going to amp up your mental stimulation output, if you will. So because it, it, like it's kind of like anything else like I said is 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 once things are contributed to a case it's like they they keep adding up these things of what they may need anyway so that that's important to know but but throughout the process you're going to get this steam like this this the release of the steam throughout the process is going to be vocalization so you're going to get the whining like when you sent those videos at the door she she knows she's about to go outside and so she's excited about that, and that's where you're going to see her steam off. So she's going to do these little chirps. She's going to do these little whines, and that's, to be honest, that's pretty inevitable for that to happen. It's pretty natural for that to happen, and you can get it better for sure, but it, it is going to be part of that excited thing. Like you're putting her through a pressure cooker and she's going to basically just chirp off because she knows she's about to go do something. So it's not like failing. It's just kind of her needing to get it out. 
because I thought I was feeding into naughty behavior like she was I thought I was supposed to make her calm before she goes out and so that's what I didn't know how to do it <laughs> yeah and 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 you do you do and and so what I was gonna say is when you're working on this threshold or any threshold you can it's a it's a very gray area of how to handle this situation because you don't want to reward the whiny behavior but you want to put her through scenarios that's going to make her whine so you can help her overcome these little chirps so typically what I do is and there's a lot of contributing factors that also will make things worse than others so when you're bringing her to the door the best thing to do is desensitize the pattern so she doesn't necessarily know what's going to come next. Because basically right now what you're doing is you're bringing her up and she's this little rev ball of energy and she knows exactly what she's about to do. Therefore, she's going to release this steam and she's going to release these verbal chirps. And what you should do is desensitize the pattern by going the other way and not going outside at all. So how many times a day are you bringing her up to that door for her to go out? So it's, she's only like that when she sees the chucket or any other toy. So she goes outside and if she's just going outside to run around or um, just go potty, she doesn't do that. It's only when she sees the chucket or any kind, when she sees the toys that I use to work her, to make her exhausted. Mm -hmm. So that's the only time she does that. So the video, the video where she's whining at the door to go out. She's she saw the chuck it. Okay. So, uh, okay. I would say that, um, so, so you're saying that if you were to bring her up to the door and do all of that without the context of chuck it, she would be silent. Yeah. She'd sit there and wait. Okay. So we have a lot of baby gates in the house because we have kids and we like the cats to be able to escape the dogs if they need to. And so, um, when we make them wait for every baby gate and every door, so she'll sit there. She's one of the best out of all four of mine. She'll sit and she'll wait and she knows. Um, obviously, this it can get better because she's little or she's still young and uh, she's antsy. So she'll lift her foot when she's like getting ready. She kind of does like forward back motion, you know. Um, but she'll wait for every gate and stuff. So she's fine when she doesn't see any toy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she'll wait for all of that. Okay. So what I would do is um, you should take your toy and try to set her up for success by maybe putting the toys in the environment that you're going to play with her in. Because as soon as you, the moment that you say, okay, game on is the moment she's going to turn on. And that's the dog you have. That'll never go away. So when you go outside, like my recommendation is just try to keep your, like you're, you're taking... You should be able to bring your toys inside without the dog going crazy. But I think an easier fix for you guys is keep your toys in the environment or around the environment that's outside that you're going to have her be stimulated in. So instead of bringing in the toys inside and then grabbing it before you go out, because I'm, I'm really big on if we can eliminate a problem by taking out one thing very easily – then that's what we should do because that's an easier, okay. you know, you want to go to the path with least resistance. And if you were to just put your chuck it outside your door, 
or put the chuck it and hang it up on a nail out by the garage where you're playing or whatever you're doing, that will completely eliminate the whining inside when you're going out. You're right, because she would actually see it every time she's outside and only get excited when she sees and grab it outside. Yeah, and that's okay. That's kind of like, it's this fine line of like, we're not playing. Nope, not yet. Okay, game on. Like be be that crazy dog that you need to be to get this energy out. Yeah. And that's okay. always going to happen. You know, like she's she's at that point again where she's still young, but she's not a puppy. And she's really, uh, if she's a working dog, she just really wants to work. And so you want to be able to turn that on and off on your discretion. And if you just simply put that outside, that will change everything. Okay. So there's that. And then outside with the walking, um, my suggestion is, and this is, you know, something I talk to every single dog owner on is you, you can't ever change a reactive behavioral problem on the leash if your obedience isn't, you know, a mid-level obedience. So there's, for me, it'd be like three levels. It'd be beginner, intermediate, and expert. And if you're not in the middle of that, then it's going to be a lot more challenging for you to actually push through these things rather than doing what you're doing is avoiding these things. Okay. So that's something that you'll have to start working on is just gaining more, more, uh, obedience control outside because there's different levels to obedience. And when you start to train outside, those levels uh, can get harder and can get a little bit more, uh, challenging for you and the dog as the distractions come about. It's like if you're playing a yes. video game, it just keeps getting harder and harder as you progress. So okay. that's something that you'll have to you'll have to work on. But the what you're doing now isn't a terrible thing, uh, only because like you also can't really control the other dogs. So there's going to be some situations that you might want to avoid anyway because the other dog is making your dog look quiet. Yeah. So, but when you're out. Um, considering her drive for play, my recommendation is to like, you're not going to be able to take again, like a uh, one-year-old intact working line German shepherd on the leash. And right now, because she's reactive, what does she do? Paint me a picture when you're out and she sees another dog and it's you and her. Usually she looks at the other dog and she barks, 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 barks. She walks with me. She doesn't lunge. She'll still walk, but she just barks at them continuously or she'll try to back away from them. Okay. Yeah, so she's she's like, she's barking, but also like waving the white flag, like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Okay. She definitely does not want to engage if she can help it. Um, okay. And so I don't know if it would be more beneficial, like, to do the group trainings, because then she could see the dogs. They weren't in her space. They, mm -hmm. she could see, like, hey, I can coexist without incident. Yeah. Um, and so that's I, my thought process. Now I may be completely wrong and I, I just, I want to be able to take my dog places cause it would benefit her. It would, you know, be more fun because I, I want her to be a well-rounded dog. It's just hard to take her places when she's barking at every, sure. every dog she's. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So one, my, um, my, uh, thought on that is that I think if you don't have the best control, over her and then you know you're outside and she's reacting putting her then into a group class with that many other dogs is just gonna like pour gas on that in my opinion okay because 
You know what I mean? Like she, so here's probably what's happening from my perspective is she's like, I don't really know what to do. I don't really know what to do. I don't really know what to do. How do I handle this? What do I do? There's a dog. What do I do? So by you like exposing her and and overloading her and, and putting all these dogs on her is, is, is probably not going to help her understand how to deal with it. Okay. Right. So if you just like flood her with, I mean, it could, um, it, it, it certainly could, but there's gotta be some sort of anchor that you're going to be using for this. So in my okay. opinion, like what I would do is, uh, I would really be working on how to anchor her in mentally to get her to pay attention to you and okay. to be engaged with you. And right now, like that's just, that's just not happening. So that's where like your obedience comes in because right now it's not like, because again, I I just think she's like, I don't know what to do with this dog. I'm on a walk. What do I do? Let's get out of here. And then you're like, okay, well now I'm going to put you in a room with 10 to 15 other dogs. And then she's really going to be like, oh shit, this is terrible. So I think it's not a bad thing to do to go into group class. I don't think it's a, it's not like the, it's not like the wrong move. I'm just saying that I, I think that you'll be really frustrated because when you get because when you get in there you don't have the fundamental control to handle her regardless of what she wants to do and how she feels about the situation okay see what i'm saying so you you don't want to wait for her to just go oh dogs it's not so bad you're gonna have to help her take these steps and what you'll do is what I've done in the past that's been really successful is you'll essentially um, you'll essentially give her an opportunity to work and get have a job and have something to do around the other dogs, which will hopefully desensitize her enough to make better decisions and to be like, okay, it's not so bad. Almost like what you're doing now is you're avoiding which isn't terrible if if you don't really have any other opportunities to do anything. But I think you could do a little bit more like structural avoidance, if you will, which would mean you could get her into a situation where you could say, hey, let's, let's heal, let's recall, let's pay attention to me. And then before you know it, you're around two or three other dogs and she's like, it's not so bad. So you have to almost okay. give her something to do, especially if it's because that's what I'm thinking is you 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 have this like energizer bunny, she's buzzing, and then you just put her around another dog without so she's gonna take that energy and then dump it into the other dog. That's what she's doing. So her mind is yeah. like buzzing and then she sees the dog and then unloads it. The only time that makes sense, because the only time I we have gone out, and it's happened numerous times. But the one time that she passes by another dog with no peep is when we're running. Mm-hmm. When we run, she's just like all into the run. And so she will bypass a dog, another dog. She may look at it for a second, and then I get her attention really quickly. Nothing. No bark. Mm-hmm. She's just, I think it's because she's, is it mental stimulation too to run them? Do they have to keep going? Um, is it only physical? Does that help? When it, she runs, she goes. It helps. It's just not. Like it, it, there's, it is mental. I'm not going to say it's not because she's, she's seen things. She's taking information in. So she's processing things, which means it's going, but it's like a really slow go. It's not, it's not really that much of a thought process for her. 
and what I would, I mean, the mental stimulation is like, if you are running with her and she's like, oh, mailbox, oh, tree, oh, car, oh, squirrel, oh, bird. Like she's just seeing these things really quickly and processing them. And that's how she's, that's how she's mentally being stimulated. And then she's smelling things and other things. So it, it is something for sure. But if you were to go outside, start walking with her, say her name and then literally backpedal backwards and then stop and then sit and then focus and then heal and then down and then stay and then throw a ball. She has to stay and then you break her. She gets it. She plays tug with you. All of that is going to be more, you're going to be dumping more energy into um, that mental stimulation than you would if you were just running down the road. So you just want to be more productive with your mental stimulation dumping. So uh, that that's what I would be doing is getting her because she loves the ball. Um, so that's what I would be doing is getting her a tug toy, a professional tug and working on that. Um, so getting out a ball on a rope and walking forward and getting her obsessed with that. And then again, like when you're out with her, it would be more about the mental uh, stimulation more than anything. So you'd be having her do obedience for this ball. And because her attention and her focus and her drive for the ball is so immense, typically when you have a dog that doesn't want anything to do with other dogs anyway, she just doesn't really know how to act. And again, she doesn't really know how to take this energy in her head and dump it places. She's confused. She's conflicted. Yeah. She's like, I'm this, I'm this intact young working line dog and I don't know what else to do. And she sees a dog and she just blurbs out all these things. So that's your job is to take it and structurally dump it into something that's actually beneficial and that's going to create some sort of structure for her. And that's how you should be doing it as I would get a ball on a rope or a tug toy or a or whatever you want to do. And I would be getting her obsessed with that. And then I would be going out and working with her on, on all of that, like getting her so on you. We have, we actually got a pack of them. Um, so when I bring that out and I try to use it almost like a lure for healing and stuff like that, because mm -hmm. she's so dry, mm -hmm. she'll jump at it. Jump, jump, jump right next to me, like a hopping bunny, because she wants that. And I lose her for the toy. And mm -hmm. so I don't know how to keep her attention, but also reward her with the biggest reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mean she's jumping at the, she's jumping at the, at, at the toy. Yeah. Th that's common for a lot of dogs who don't really know how to play fetch or play tug. So that happens quite often. So you have to teach her how to actually play with that ball as weird as that sounds, but a lot of dogs who aren't taught to bite things don't know what to do. So they'll just bite the rope or, um, yeah, yeah go ahead. So she's, protection she well quote unquote protection because we wanted her to have an outlet so to her protection she is really good she has an out with it because we play with her with toys um but she it's like the ultimate tug of war to her and so now i heard from other people i shouldn't have done that should have gotten obedience down first before even doing that but well, when you say um, when you say protection what does what does that mean to me what does that mean? work okay. work she's gone from a flirt pole to a sleeve on a string to an arm sleeve to now a full suit. Uh, but she, her out is like on point for how old she is. Um, and she comes back and she's super barky with that. Cause she's super excited. Um, and it's never turned. She's not a 
growler at all because honestly i don't think she's protective i think she's just this is the best game ever um but we so and then when we play fetch outside she brings it back she drops it when she's supposed to she goes after it so i just and we play tug at home i just don't know how to get her to not jump when it's time to focus on healing because she just wants to go 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 all the time so explain that to me a little bit more. So when she's jumping, what what's the context of that? What do you mean she's jumping? Like what's happening? So she sees the ball in my hand, and I think she wants to th- me to throw it or play tug because uh-huh. she will play tug with that ball because um, it's on the string. Okay. And so I'm sitting here trying to – I have it in my hand. Or sometimes I'll have it up at me or in front of me. So if it's in my hand trying to lure her, she'll try to bite it out of my hand. Um well, she doesn't, I'll tell her no, and she'll just, like, only focus on the toy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and with, I, I want her to focus on me. So then I tried, like, because she was only after the toy in my hand. So I brought it up, trying to get her to maybe look at me. And when I did that, she was, like, hop, 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 kind of at my side, yeah. kind of in front of me, wanting to only see the toy because I don't matter, the toy does. Mm-hmm. At least that's my interpretation of it, and I don't know how to. Well, there's, um. Me- yeah, there's um, there's a lot to that. So you don't you you don't want to you got to be careful how you do that because okay. you don't want to you don't want to do that. All the all those things are like the wrong things to do. So oh, when you t- when you take something that she really wants, right, and then you take the ball in your hand and then you put it up to your shoulders or your chest. She's mm-hmm. then obviously going to jump up to try to get that. So that's like whenever you're working with a working dog or a dog that likes to bite anything, you always keep the ball neutral. You put it right at your side and you teach the ball how to you teach the dog how to gain access to the ball through obedience. And that's what I'm okay. saying is like right yeah. now she's she's got all this stuff going on in her head and if you're it's kind of like antagonizing her a little bit by holding it up and being like, look what I got. And then she jumps up. So you have to just, you have to teach her patience. So when you get a really drivey dog, um, like what you have, you have the leash in your hand, you take the ball, you take the ball and you just hold it at your side very calmly. And you teach her how to access and get that ball. So you might do sit, you might do heel, you might do down, you might do focus, you might do whatever you need to do in order for the dog to, to, it's a reward. So, but you also have to try to set the dog up for success by um, teaching them how to get this thing. And that's what you need to do. So balls at the side, she tries to go for it. Use your leash. Nope, it's not yours. Nope, it's not yours until you say break. So you might say sit, she sits, and then you say break, and then you release the dog. Um, And then that's how you would do that because any other way is going to create more drive and more frustration which is what you do not want to do so where so normally i have her on my left side um and i have the leash in my left hand flush kind of right because i loose leash i am trying to do that and so where do i what hand do i have the ball in? your left like my left with the leash yeah okay. that's what i that's what i typically that's what i typically do is i'll have okay. I'll take the, I mean, it's easier said than done, by the way. This is like, 
this takes a little bit of time to figure out. Um, but yeah, what I typically do is I take the, I take the ball, but again, it just, you have to have that control. And right now she may not have that control or good enough control in order for you to be super successful with it. So she might okay. be, she might be too drivey without a lot of impulse control in order for you to, um, do this, to, to do this exercise in general. So okay. it's something that you have to, you definitely have to work on. Um, okay. but yeah, so that's what I do is I put the, I put the ball literally like if she's healing on my left, I'll put the ball right next to her head. Okay. Yeah. And do you tell them to leave it or anything? Yeah. I mean, you like, could just use your leash like, nope, but that's what I mean is you don't have that on and off switch yet. You don't okay. have that. Like this is yours. Okay. Now it's mine. Like you have to, you have to have that impulse control right now. You're so she has all this energy, rah, 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 excited, whining, spinning, jumping. And mm -hmm. if you're, if you're not outletting her properly and teaching her how to handle these situations, it's just going to make it worse. So what a lot of people do with dogs like this is they have the ball, they have the leash, the dog's whining and spinning and jumping and getting excited. And then what the owner's doing is they're spitting as much information out at them that doesn't make sense as possible and making things worse. So they'll be saying okay. the dog's name, down, off. It's okay. We're going out in a minute. Relax. It's okay. It's just the ball. Okay. I know that you want it. Okay. We're going to go outside. Just wait. Mommy's got to put on her shoes, like all this stuff. And the dog's like, rrr, 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 rrr. and that's all like the absolute worst thing that you could ever do in a situation like that. But everyone typically does that. So you just have to make sure that you're like, you have a very high end working dog and it's going to take a considerable amount of skill sets and um, handling skills and experience to make, to, to get this dog to be successful. Like okay. that's why there's different lines of shepherds. There's show lines, there's pet lines, there's working lines and the working lines have to work unless they will yeah. ruin your life and they will be depressed and live with anxiety for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? You can't get a, mm -hmm. a, a working line and then just say like, I want you to be a, a, a show line dog and just lay on the couch all day. Yeah. So you just have to make sure that like all of the calmness and the assertiveness um, with this dog is certainly going to matter. So you have to, okay. you have to remain calm and you have to just, and by calm, that means not feeding into things, not, not, okay. not giving her more information to chew on to make her more anxious because the dog is sitting there spinning and freaking out and whining and then you're saying things that she doesn't understand and that could make it a lot worse. Yes. So, um, anyway, so when, you, yeah, so when you have the ball, you want to make it very neutral. So she's jumping because she's, again, she's taking, you're, you're putting gas on that fire. So, um, you, she's excited, you get the ball, she's more excited. So she's going to go from maybe whining and spinning in a circle. And then she's just going to start pogoing on the back legs. Cause she's like, okay, now we're leveled up here. And you just have to really create all that. So with my dog, Lakota, she has more drive than any other shepherd, right? She's just as I should, or I should say, she's just as drivey as any other working dog. So when I'm working with her, I taught her from an early age that she has to go through me and do obedience before she can access what she wants. So if I take a ball and I throw it out, she's going to immediately look at my eyes and say, can you release me to that ball? Cause I really want to go play. And so that's it. Or I might say heal, or I might say place, or I might say, sit. I might have her work a little bit for it. And then I'll say break. And then she can go have it and have fun. 
but right now you don't really have that control. So that that's what you need to start working on because I understand that the reactivity is why we're on the phone, but also understand that there's a considerable amount of foundation that you need to get in order for that to, to really be solved and for you to really start effectively cracking down on it. Okay. It it really does make sense. It does. So how do I get her? Yeah. To get to that point where we're neutrality or I can get her Mm -hmm. calm enough so we can work on it. Cause I, my goal and I, I didn't want to do any kind of board and training, at least locally, because I, I wanted to bond with her and learn with her, but I don't want to hurt her while we learn. Um, and so I, I, I just want help. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So what you can do is, uh, again, like start teaching her, like, her, okay. So she has to behave a certain way. So there's, okay, this is something I haven't really talked about before in this context. Let me try to put this together. Okay, so there's certain behavioral cues that we will ask a dog and then they get rewarded. So sit, down, stay, literally anything that you want your dog to do, any of the behavioral cues. And, And then they get rewarded. But in some cases... And this is big. I'm glad that we're here. I've never gone here. There's some cases in some dogs that you're actually looking for how they behave in order for them to get rewarded. Okay. Okay. So again, we put a dog on a leash and in order for them to get what they want, they may have to do a sit or a down or a stay or whatever. And that's normal and common. But when you, when you have a dog like what you have, is you need to focus on getting her behavior under control, like how she's acting. So you go towards the, like you get a ball out and she completely like loses her mind. So the ball is then going to be exchanged with maybe the dog outside. It's the same thing. Like there's something I'm really stimulated by and I don't know how to control myself. And the moment you start controlling her under the circumstances of there's a ball and I'm excited and I don't know what to do, and she starts to become calmer and outletting things properly is the moment you'll be able to copy and paste that to other dogs. So my point is, is you're looking for her behavior to be a certain, she has to, she has to behave a certain way to unlock what she wants. Okay. So it's, it's like, she has to do something in order for you to go, yep, that's yours now. So right now it's kind of the opposite is she's, it seems, is she's behaving poorly and we're kind of firing her up with uh, confusion. And then we're also then paying her after with the ball, which is enforcing or or, sorry, reinforcing uh, this behavior, this neurotic. Well, I shouldn't even say that because this is very common for dogs. Like, again, like you have the three things kind of stacked right there of like, that's how I would be, if I were you, I'd be upset if my dog wasn't the way that she was, because you have a working line, one-year-old intact dog, they should be a firecracker. That's why people get them a hundred percent. So you should, um, again, like let's get the, so we get the ball out and you should be looking for her and same thing with food. Like if she's interested in her kibble, which I don't know if she is, it's the same thing is you would get the ball. She has to behave a certain way in order to access the ball. So it's just like with um, maybe uh, like what we call in the dog world, which may or may not make sense, is like free shaping. So a dog does a behavior that we really like without even – we don't say anything. So maybe we put a mat on the ground 
and we don't say anything, but we have a piece of food in our hand and the dog spends 10 minutes sniffing around and maybe trying to figure out like, I'd really like that food. And then they go over to the mat and then you, boom, you pay him. And then they, that's okay. called free shaping. It's, it, it's, 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 it's not really applicable to, to, to pet owners at all, but, um, that's kind of what you would do is you would get the ball out on a rope or the chuck it even, and then you would wait for her you would wait for that one second for her to just sit and calm and then you'd pay her. And so you, okay. you'd, so it almost seems right now like you've encouraged her and you've paid her at all the wrong times. And that's why she acts the way she does when she sees something she's interested in because you've taught her that that's, that's what we do. And so again, like with Lakota, my dog, I taught her from a very early age. So I took a, a cup of kibble when she was a puppy and She'd look at my face and I'd pay her. She'd look at my face and I'd pay her. She looked at my face and I'd pay her. And then as she got older each week, I would hold that duration of she looked at my face, one, two, three, four, boom, she gets paid. And the next week would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, boom, she gets paid. So now, and I did all of that when she was two, two three months old. She was done. She did everything. She did everything. She did outs, she did heels, she did down, she did stay. She, she, everything that you see my dog do right now at seven years old is what she did when she was three or four months old. So yeah. so what I did is, that na- so now, because I built that imprinting of like, if you want something, you just got to look at me for permission. And for many reasons, it's a relationship thing, it's an obedience thing, it's a safety thing. You know, because if I'm at my facility and she's, if, if somebody throws a ball, I don't want her to just, Oh, that's mine. I want her to ask for permission first. And so now what she does, because I did that when she was a puppy, is she looks at me for everything that she wants. She gives me direct eye contact. And I get comments all the time on YouTube like, how did you do that? And that's exactly how I did it. So with you, you would go outside with that ball. You would wait for her to sit down patiently for one second. And then you throw the ball on the ground. She'd get it. You'd play tug with her for a little bit. Um, you'd outer, you'd throw it again, you'd get it back, you'd outer, you'd hold. And then the moment she's not dancing around whining and crying, boom, you pay her. So you're trying to flip the script of if you act like what you want her to act like calm and neutral and focused and engaged with you, that's when all the good stuff happens. Okay. I can do that. And you can, it's the time process. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if it wasn't, I wouldn't have a job. You'd be able to go on yeah. Google and it would say, oh, just clap your hands three times and say Willy Wonka and your dog's not yep. going to, your dog's not going to be crazy anymore. So a hundred percent, it's, 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 it's going to take you time for her to, yep. to rewire things. But when you're outside, it's very similar. Um, so that's, that's just one piece to the puzzle, but that's, that's what I would start doing. But the other thing is when you're outside, when you're handling her, so let's say you go into your yard and what you would do is just you and her is you would heal her forward. And then you'd have, like, I always tell people, if you don't have a training vest, just put get a hoodie on with a hoodie pocket, put your ball in the hoodie pocket, um, and put it kind of away from her. And then you would heal. And then all of a sudden you would do a drawback. So you'd say her name, you'd say, come, and then she'd come to you. And then you'd throw the ball on the ground and you'd pay her for engaging with you. And that's, okay. that's really important. That's really huge um, because what you're doing is, is like you said in the beginning of the conversation is that when you do a directional change or what I call a tune-up, she's going to respond to your body movement because she doesn't want to get corrected for not listening to you and not being engaged with you. And so 
you would do the same thing, but with uh, a little bit more um, benefits to her, if you will. So what you would do is you would simply, you would say heal, you'd walk forward, one, two, three, four, and then you would draw back and say come. And then as soon as she turns and runs towards you, you would then throw the ball on the ground and say break, or you'd say yes or whatever. Yeah, what? Would I throw like down at my feet or away? Um, not super far away because then she'll correct herself on the prong. So you would just throw it far enough away where her, her leash can extend a little bit and then you can pay her for it. Okay. Yeah, I have a long lead, so just use that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, you could. Um, okay. you, could uh, you, could also, um, you could also do it just on your regular leash because you're not going to be outside training around other dogs on a, on, a, on, a, um, on a long line. So just try to maybe practice um practice a little bit on the on the regular training leash that you'll be outside with but that's what i would recommend is just start because it, she from what you're saying she sparks me as a dog that wants nothing to do with all the other dogs really doesn't want to react but she doesn't have anything else to do and you have to literally practice yeah. exercises to say like hey if you pay attention to me and remove yourself from this situation you're going to get paid with the thing you love the most and right now to no fault by you is you're going out and she reacts and you're kind of just like, all right, we're going to move away from the situation, which is in my opinion, the right, like I would much rather somebody avoid a situation they're not prepared for because no training is better than bad training. So if you're in there trying to do all the wrong things, you're just going to make things worse. So by removing yourself is, is a better uh, opportunity. The other thing that I would highly recommend is your inside turn. So whatever, wherever the head goes, the mind will follow so um, when you're out and she's in your heel and she's on the left side, you would, if she sees another dog and she starts to build, use your left leg to cut her off and go the other way for four or five seconds and that'll decrease that build. And then you have to have that inside turn and then the outside turn is the opposite. So if she's on your left, you take your right shoulder and you turn away from the other dog and you'd let her hang there for a couple seconds. You'd say heel, she see the dog, you start moving away, she's engaged with the other dog, and then boop, she gets popped on the collar because she's not engaging with you, and she's about to make a mistake. And and then you can also do that drawback recall. So there's there's many different exercises physically that you can do with handling that will decrease that build and reactivity as well. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think I'm almost creating anxiety because she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't get it. So I need to control her control myself, control her, and then we can deal with all the battles. Yeah. Yeah. She's not just okay. going to, oh, okay. This is what it is. You have to, yeah. you have to bring, it's like a kid being terrified of maybe going to school for the first time or going swimming for the first time or whatever it is. Is okay. there like, it's a confidence thing. They're like, I can't do this. I'm terrified. I don't want to do it. Blah, blah, blah. And then what, what, so, so here, here's exactly what this is like. Okay. So you have a kid that is terrified of going to school for the first time or terrified of going into the pool for the first time, whatever they're afraid of. And with your dog, some kids will just like try to get picked up or they'll whine or they'll cry or they'll throw a tantrum or they, they get hysterical. And then what your dog will do is bark and, and jump and say, get me out of here and react and all this stuff. And so what you would do is you would outside of that context is you would say, Hey, Here's your favorite toy in the whole world. And the kid's like, yeah, it's my favorite toy, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you would pull up to swimming lessons and you'd say, hey, we're going to bring bubbles into the pool today. And then you, you, you're like, let's go play with bubbles in the pool. Oh, okay. And then 
Next thing you know, you go down the first step, yay, go get bubbles, second step, so on and so forth. So you're taking you're taking that toy and you're like, hey, this is how we're going to go because you're not giving her any outlets. You're just like you're you're telling her to emotionally deal with it. You're telling a little kid that's terrified of of the pool or terrified of kindergarten for the first time to just deal with it. Hey man, deal with it. Okay. I know you're scared, but you got to deal with it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but for your dog, it's going to, it's not, you could do things better. So instead of doing yeah. that, you can just say like, Hey, I'm going to walk you to class and I'm going to sit down. We're going to do the coloring book you love. And then you just start, the kid starts to ease up a little bit, starts looking around. Other kids come up and say, Hey, cool coloring book. The teacher's so sweet. It's this beautiful thing. And then you start to back out of the room and then boop. And then the next day, it may okay. be the same thing, but a little less hard or a little less uh, freaking out. So you just have to you have to give your dog the exercises in order for them to stay focused on you, because okay. you know your dog's not mean and aggressive and reactive towards other dogs. Your dog just doesn't know how to handle it. And some dogs, yeah. you can just say like, "You got to deal with this," and then you're like, "Oh, okay." But you have to like have engagement with your working dog in order for your working dog to handle these stressful situations. Cause they're just going to, they're going to vocalize uh, until you do. Yes. I, and being what she is, honestly, people get scared. So I need to make sure I get control on everything. So everything goes smoothly for the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can do that. Cool. All right. Well, good luck with everything and just work hard and I think you guys will be fine. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time you've taken. Yeah, of course. No problem. Good luck. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. Um, this comes from a life, a better life with my dogs, PJ Amor. Tom, I don't have a question, just praise. Much of my oppositions last summer, my wife much to my opposition last summer, my wife and two teenage boys brought home an eight-week-old Aussie doodle. That's how that works. Asher into her home. The original plan was to only puppy sit for a week and then return him back to the family that had the litter. Oh, they got you good. Um, we were doing this uh, and it wiggled its way into my heart and became a two-family dog. Our other dog is six years old, an untrained terrier mix named Buster that we rescued from a shelter as a puppy. Buster is a sweet dog, but absolutely awful on the leash. Fast forward many months ago, four weeks ago, I realized that I now have a nine-month-old, 55-pound puppy and a six-year-old terrier that I'm not enjoying walking, even after the months of attempting leash training with the doodle. We have a fenced-in yard, but we both still walk our dogs many times a day because we know how valuable it can be. I found myself not looking forward to the experience of walking them and I felt like we were missing something and I felt like we were getting nowhere with the doodle pup. I haven't even tried training the terrier. Then I started shifting sifting through your YouTube videos and found your videos the most helpful. Furthermore, I discovered your podcast and have been absorbing hours of great information in the last four weeks. And the podcast is extremely entertaining, informative, and packed full of very free, helpful information. Currently, my ship is building positive way with my doodle and it's a big success. Um, so now, um, yeah, so this is just a review and, a, and, a, and a, all the good stuff. So thank you so much for this review. It's very heartfelt. Um, I appreciate it very much. Next one comes from Christina Blatt's prong collar question. Hey, Tom, I have a question about my prong collar correction. I have a year and a half year old Husky. She's usually, oh, this podcast that you just listened to may be helpful. She is usually great, but sometimes when I correct her on the prong, she breaks her. When she breaks her heel, she kind of panics and starts to bolt. I would describe it as literally trying to flee because something she did wrong. I feel awful when this happens because I don't want I don't want her to have this reaction when I correct her. 
In these incidences, there are no distractions. Um, so basically, she's bolting um, when this happens. So what I would do is instead of popping the correction, maybe. So if you're, this is what it says. I'm doing a firm pop correction, um, and we have a great relationship, and we do everything together, many adventures. So if she's getting nervous about this pop, what I would do is just add a little bit more direction instead of a correction. So the difference between a, a directional correction instead of a correction is going to be just pressure back. So maybe just uh, instead of that pop, because it may be too much for your dog because your dog is sensitive, uh, especially Huskies, they have a very strong tendency to be dramatic and overreactive. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't mean it doesn't affect the dog because of course it does. So I would just add a little bit of pressure back on the leash instead of that pop because that pop seems and uh, sounds like it's a little too much. And sometimes that happens. So um, from what I've always said is like that pop is huge and it typically is, but if you have a dog that, um, has a hard time with that pop or is it's too much for them, then you would just use direction instead of that popping correction. We're going to get into S Harlow. Hi, Tom, recovering reactive dog. I want to first thank you for all that you do for dog owners. Your commitment to greater good is admirable. I love listening to your podcast every single time. I learn something new. It helps me have the bigger picture. I also want to send my best wishes to you and your new family. I hope you're all healthy happy and thriving. Thank you. I started watching YouTube videos about three and a half years ago when I got my first puppy in adult life. My dog Molly is a boxer shepherd lab mix and she's fear-based reactivity that basically uh, is now basically non-existence. I have done extensive training to get to this point. Uh, along our journey, <clears throat> I trusted a professional trainer. There's air quotes. Along our reactive journey, I trusted a air quotes professional trainer who most like, that's what she put in there, who most likely didn't know how to manage fear-based reactivity and I didn't know any better at the time, but the, but his methods was fully compulsion and suppression, exacerbated our problem and caused my dog to be fearful of me as well. Her fear never went away and she's just more afraid of the punishment she would receive instead of showing the reactions. Initially, I didn't understand what I was seeing, but a year and a half years, I've realized so much more. I go back and watch the videos from her training. It makes me want to cry. I feel angry for a while. I feel angry for a while, but now I feel obligated to reach out to a trainer. I truly feel like he's misinformed and he really thinks he is helping dogs. But I don't know if I should make the effort to reach out to this guy as in our training, he had quite a cocky vibe, my way or the highway type. I just have high hopes for, that he'll do some self-reflection on his training methods. It hurts my feelings, hurts my heart to think that other dogs could go through this, what Molly did. Wow, this is an interesting one. I've never had this. This is basically uh, advice on how to handle their bad past past experience with their dog and maybe making a, a, a an effort to contact the owner or the trainer and um, tell them what their experience was. I don't think it's going to hurt you at all. It's not going to hurt Molly. Um, the only thing I think it could do is it could help other dogs. So I think it's the right thing to do. I always, always try to tell my clients that if they've ever worked with another professional that said things were impossible or they couldn't do something. And then after going through any program, my program or anyone else's program, and they do it, I always encourage people to reach out to those trainers and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know, this is me and Molly, and you said that we would never be able to do this, and I have accomplished these goals for maybe these reasons. I think you should, because if I'm, if I'm a professional, and I told a client, hey, you know what? Um, your dog's never going to be able to behave the way that you want them to. And then I get an email from that person six months to a year later and they say, 
Hey, Tom, just wanted to let you know, I know that you um, probably don't remember us, but uh, I have a dog, blah, 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 and you said that things weren't ever going to be possible, and I wanted to let you know that we, we were able to do it. Because then what I would want to do is figure out how you did it. I'd be like, oh, great, amazing. I'm so happy for you. How did you do it? So I always tell my owners uh, that work in these situations, I always tell them, though, I said, don't, you don't have to tell them who you trained with or what type of training you did necessarily and when and where. All you just say is like, hey, we've accomplished these goals. I'd love to tell you our experience and how we were able to do it. Because I think any trainer that is really in it for the dogs and do, getting better should listen to that because I would. If somebody said, hey, you said it's not possible and I did it, I'd be like, how'd you do it? So I think it's definitely worth the shot. Um, but I think, and again, like I talk about this often in the dog training world, it's really easy to get a big ego because you're fixing people's dogs and they're emotional and they're telling you that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so for sometimes men, it's really easy for them to pump up their chest and be the biggest, baddest thing around. Um, and, um, yeah, so I would just be cautious and careful of how you articulate your message to not offend this person, because I think that they'll probably close out of it and maybe even send you back a nasty, like bullshit reply. So I would just say, Hey, this is me. This is my dog. I just wanted to let you know that, um, you know, the training program that we went through, maybe um, wasn't the best fit for our dog and we're starting to see some like long-term effects from some of the techniques that you were using and I am not reaching out for anything financially and I'm not reaching out for anything other than just let you know that my dog probably needed a different approach and you took a approach that uh, has caused my dog some long-term issues. Um, and that goes like that goes in so many, listen guys, that goes in so many different levels of dog training. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what style you are. If you're not making results and you're making things worse, you're not doing good. I don't care what end of the spectrum you fall under. Uh, cause we've seen it go on both ends. Haven't we? It's, it's, it's so I, I think it's definitely worth it. Um, again, you just have to be careful in how you articulate it. So this person, you know, if they have a huge ego, they're going to feel attacked and they're immediately going to lash back out with you. Um, so I would just say like, Hey, I, I, I think that you genuinely really like and 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 want to help dogs. I just wanted to let you know that um, the training that was done with my dog, uh, unfortunately, not only didn't work, but um, it looks like it's making things worse. And I just wanted to let you know that maybe you should change up some of your techniques with dogs like mine because it's not um, long-term effective. And that's how I would do it. So I think, yes, I would definitely do it. What, what do you got to lose? You know, they're gonna, not going to respond or they're going to respond of like, I know what I'm doing and you don't, don't tell me. And you're going to say, okay, I knew you were like that anyway. I mean, worst case scenario is, is that happens. But best case scenario is, is they say, wow, I never really, nobody's ever really said that to me. And I didn't even know. And, um, you know, maybe dogs down the line, you might help. So I would do it. All right. Next one comes from JTT 2021, rightfully the number one dog podcast, five-star review. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for the content that you and your team provide. It's helped us so much with our better relationship between us and our two dogs with obedience training. Our two dogs have much better lives thanks to your content and a local trainer. It has even inspired me to start making leashes geared towards training and such. Um, my question is, is with one of our dogs, we still struggle with dog reactivity to other dogs and walks. When approaching other dogs, I will have her healing on my left side. And if she's not reacting, I try to say yes and break her with treats. Then after she eats the treats off the ground, I will typically try to turn her and draw her back in a recall and a heal again. 
If she does react and start to lunge, she seems like she will get frustrated when she gets corrected with either a prong or a correction, stimulation, collar, mini educator, whatever. I know that both her and uh, I need more practice around other dogs and my timing is lacking, but what are the other tips that you recommend um, to help with this? Also, if she locks... If she looks at a dog when she starts to build, how quickly should I redirect her with an inside drawback? Um, and when would you use leave it versus redirect? I'm going to go one on one, one by one. So I would just switch to maybe using um, a vibration instead of stimulation on the remote collar for one. I would also maybe switch, depending on how what how big she is, I would switch maybe to a slip leash. Um, sometimes if you're using a prong collar on a dog that is very frustrated, you detonating them with a prong collar is, is very common. So I can just kind of piss them off which definitely can happen, um, just like anything else. Um, so I would just switch to a slip and then I would, um, instead of using the stim, so less pressure, less corrective pressure. Uh, and I would switch to a vibration and then I would switch to a slip. Um, and then what I would do is, uh, not give her an opportunity to build. So if she looks at a dog, I would be changing directions often, but I would make sure that you're changing directions, uh, before, uh, I would be changing directions before you actually uh, get close to this dog. So make sure you randomize all of your directional. Ch- if you're going to apply anything to your dog's obedience, trying to break down their build and break down their reactivity, don't wait for them to to see another dog to do it. Make sure that you're doing all of this redirective um kind of avoidance situation breakdowns uh, as often as you can throughout the walk that makes sense and then when you apply it when there's another dog sometimes they don't even know that there's another dog around so make sure that you're not just applying these things when you see another dog also if she looks at another dog and starts to build how quickly do you redirect an insider drawback um uh, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of read the dog. I'm waiting for them to make a good decision because ultimately I want the dog to actually look at the dog and take information in and then move move away. Um, we have a dog named Henry that we worked with on my YouTube channel. It's a dog that bit me in my leg, small little terrier. We just had this dog in for board and train and he's done successfully two different group classes without a peep. He's off the medication. He's not a puddle anymore. He's doing absolutely fantastic because we worked on a lot of the things that we're talking about on this podcast as well as right now redirection um drawbacks lots of positive reinforcement making sure we give the dog an opportunity to make a good decision um so there really is no time it's more of just like how the dog builds um when would you use leave it versus redirecting with a drawback? I would use leave it when the reactivity happens, and I would use the drawback and the dismantlement exercises to be proactive instead of reactive. So as soon as the dog starts to build or as soon as the dog sees another dog, I would start to dismantle. Um, if the dog goes out the deep end and sees red and starts to react, that's where leave it comes in. Thank you so much, Joel. You're welcome, Joel. And thank you guys for listening. Have a wonderful, great, wonderful weekend. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to this, you want me to answer your question, um, which is a... $300 to $3,000 value, if you will. You can head over to, or whatever it is. I don't, I have no idea. But anyway, you can head over to the iTunes review chart, leave a review, and I'll ask your question. You can ask your question. I'll answer it. Have a good weekend. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.